Okay, Rabbi Sai. Quorum. There is a fascinating halacha in the Shulchan Aruch. In the very beginning, in the very beginning of the Shulchan Aruch, only the third halacha in Orach Chaim, the third halacha in Orach Chaim, in the Shulchan Aruch, there's a very interesting halacha. The halacha is the following thing. Ra'ui, it is appropriate. L'chol yirei shomayim, to any person who has the awe of heaven, Shemeitzer v'doyeg al churban beis hamikdash, that he should be concerned, pained, worried about the destruction of the beis hamikdash. What makes this halacha so strange is it includes a phrase which is extremely exclusive. It's halacha which is only applicable to a particular portion of the Jewish people and only if you fit into this category does this halacha become relevant to who you are. And the category that you need to be in order to fit into this halacha is Ra'ui l'chol yirei shomayim If you are yirei shomayim then you should then it's appropriate to feel the pain and the loss of the temple If you're not a yirei shomayim by implication you don't do it You're excluded You're not part of the halacha Don't you think that's a little bit of a not something for the Shulchan Aruch to do? Yosef Kari is going out on a limb and saying, by the way, in order for you to fall into the category of this observance, you have to... But, but, but Rebbe, I'm about Shiva, I've been from almost four and a half weeks, I want to do it, I want to cry on the base of Mikdash! He said, what is the base of Mikdash? I have no idea. But I want to cry, why don't you cry? My Rebbe told me I must. You can't do it. This... Apart from putting across to us a notion in Chorban Abayis, which is something we have to discuss during this time period, it also enlightens us to something which as Jews growing is an important principle and as people who are coming closer to Yiddishkeit from afar, it's perhaps even more vital. The Shulchan Aruch is telling me that if I act in a way which is inappropriate to the level I'm holding it, in other words, one would have thought to be act below my spiritual level is destructive. One would not have thought perhaps that to act above my spiritual level is also destructive. From here the Shulchan Aruch says, If you're not a Yerushalayim, it's not Roy. It's inappropriate. Don't do it. Why not? What's wrong with doing it? Do you want to be good? Do you want to be the right thing? From here you see a vital lesson in growth. One of the Kinyon Torah that means one of the ways that 
a true connection. Kinyan Torah means acquisition of Torah. The way you acquire something means it was outside of your jurisdiction. It did not belong to you. Acquisition is the process of a transferal of ownership from outside of your dominion within your dominion. Therefore, an acquisition, a Kinyan Torah means Torah is not necessarily part of me. I have to make it part of me. It's a fusion and an integration. One of the ways that Torah is integrated into who I am is Hamakeres Mekoimoi, knowing where your place is. Knowing where your place is means whether it's high or low. You have to know where you are. Without that knowledge, the process of fusing with the Torah is an impossibility. If you think that you can acquire, that you can act on a level, which I think in the context of what we're discussing is more pertinent to discuss acting on a level which is above where you are as opposed to below where you are. If you're of the opinion that you can act on a level above where you are, you're sorely mistaken. You're making a grave error and ironically, your over-enthusiastic religiosity and from kite is preventing you from acquiring the Torah. And an unawareness, not being aware of where you are, means there can be no fusion. What does it mean? I would like to explore it. What's wrong with this person? I'm not a Yerushalayim and I want to feel tsar over the base of Mikdash. Why can't I? Why does the Shulchan Aruch so cruelly exclude me from the observance of such a wonderful mitzvah? I sincerely want it. I drew. The answer is because Torah is Torah's MS. MS means reality. And if you engaged in a process of sheker and self-delusion, lying to who you are as a person, how can you possibly gain access to something which is reality and true? To illustrate it further, let's take the Valchuva and let's put him in the context that we are presently occupying. The three weeks which are the saddest or the most emotionally low period of the Jewish year. And What happens, we'll take a person sitting, and it's Tisha B'Av now. And he's sitting on the floor, in the dimly lit room, and he's around a group of people, and all these people are sobbing their eyes out around him, over the destruction of the temple. Now, he's Makiris Mekoimoi, meaning as follows. He realizes that he has no idea why these people next to him are crying. He has no clue as to the significance of what the temple means. He has no anticipation of what it will be if the temple would be built. And now he's sitting next to these people on the floor and now certain thoughts start to arise in his mind. He starts to think to himself, I have to cry. Why? Because if I don't cry, I'm a bad boy. Another little voice says, you're not sad. He says, shut up. I have to cry, but you're not sad. But I have to cry because he's crying and he's crying. And it says, and it's Tisha B'Av and the, and the lighting didn't have to cry. So you're like, <laughs> why are you crying? I have to cry. Are you sad? No. So what are you doing? I'm not sure. I'll tell you what you're doing. 
you're in the process of destroying yourself. You're in the process of destroying a real connection to the destruction of the temple. You're in the process of absolutely sabotaging any spiritual growth. Because you're engaging in an endeavor whereby you're learning to lie to who you are as a person. And that process, as it goes further in life, can become so extreme that you actually become completely disconnected from the reality of the situation and you live in a fantasy world whereby your Torah observance becomes this fantastical way of existing which has no bearing or relevance on myself and in that way I absolutely dissolve the connection between myself and the Torah. It's the opposite of the king and our Torah. You can't be Makes Mekoimo, you can't acquire the Torah. You will, through your well-intentioned from kite, destroy your connection with Torah. Ironic, but true. Ironic, but true. Now this process is not an easy one to judge. As Bale Chuva, people are engaged in running a race. And I discussed earlier with Ashir the notion of ro- race running. When you know you're running a marathon, so you have a sense of where the starting line is and where the finishing line is. You have a sense of your own fitness if you've been training for it and you know how to pace yourself. And you know that if you go too fast too soon you won't finish the race. But you have a clear indication if you're a trained runner to how fast you can push yourself and the pace you have to set. What happens if you start off on running a race and no one tells you when the finishing line is? and you have some vague notion that it's going to be soon and you're absolutely infused you want to run this race and you want to win it more than anything else so what happens is you start off at a sprint no one told you that this is an ultra marathon it's 96 kilometers long and you're sprinting and you're sprinting and you're actually leaving the pack you can't believe it because you're absolutely sure that you can just carry on the way forever and you're sprinting and you're sprinting and you can't understand how the people behind you aren't coming to catch you why are they pacing themselves so well you can't fathom it and you're sprinting and you start to feel exhilarated and you feel like you're on top of the world and it's one kilometer two kilometer and you're starting to feel the strain pulling on your body and it's three kilometers and your breath is getting heavier and it's four kilometers and it's five kilometers and it's 10 kilometers so the pack is already caught up with you and then 12 kilometers many people have passed you and 14 kilometers you're starting to walk towards the left and at 16 kilometers you've lost all energy and at 18 kilometers you pull off to the side of the road and you pant until the people who are the medics come and they take you away when you enter into the race of Judaism if you have no notion of where the finishing line is you're going to start sprinting you're going to get tired out and you're going to have to pull out the race that is a dangerous thought. If you act in a way which is not madrega appropriate, it's not inconsistent, appropriate measure with your level, you'll do too much too soon, there'll be no integration, you'll try to act beyond the capacity that you have, and in doing so, ultimately, you'll have to be either pull out the race or go for intense medical treatment, metaphorically speaking. So now, if that's true, there's two points of relevance to this. Firstly, in general growth, how does one pace and gauge himself? And second, in relation to the three weeks 
and as we come up to Elul and Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we're about to start a period of the year which gets more intense as the days go by. Apart from this brief moment of this relapse called Bainaz Manim, after Tishabav, so then that's when people can kind of indulge in self-delusional thought that between, th- many people think that the progression of the year is Av, pause, Elul. There's this big pause that you put the pause button in Tisha B'Av until Elul begins. And then you're like, Elul! But you don't realize that Av runs into Elul, which runs into Tishrei. So we're about to begin a, in the general sense, we're all engaged in the marathon race, but now there's a particular race. It starts at Av and it finishes in Tishrei. And we want to finish in the finishing line. Coming out of the finishing line healthily means that after Yom Kippur is gone by, Yom Kippur essentially is the beginning of the year. If a person paces himself correctly, after Yom Kippur he comes out inspired, and that inspiration lasts him through the entire year. Many a unwitting Baal starts sprinting in the race too soon, and by the time Yom Kippur is over, at Na'ila, he's on the verge of becoming an absolute heretic. Because he's put so much pressure on himself, he's worked on himself, he, mamash, he felt the destruction of the temple in Tisha B'Av. Every day of Elul was inspired with Chiva Rosh Hashanah. was magnificent. I said to my Chiva, hit his chest so hard he got bruised, bruised, almost shattered two ribs. And by the time he gets to Yom Kippur, he's there and he comes to the finishing line and the Ella and he says, if I ever walk into a shul again, I'm going to scream. That's not successful. That's not good. Yom Kippur is a transformational time. If you pace yourself correctly, you can walk out of Yom Kippur a different person. A different person. But it requires such careful planning and such strategy and such tactics. It's like running a race. That's in the short term. And in the long term, you're not in this business, I hope anyone who is, please come speak to me in private, for the short term. <laughs> this is a long haul. We want to know how when you have your children who are 18 and 19 years old, so that you're still inspired in your learning, that your tefillah is still something that you're growing day by day, and that it's not something that you remember when you're a fresh Baal how you took these things seriously. I remember when I was in Orzumea, wow! I was so from then! You have to realize that from kind, religiosity, which has no connection to the person, also has an expiry date. Um, throughout my experiences with people, I've heard a variety of funny things, but they're only funny to the trained ear, to the wannabe Baal Shiva, who's pretty sure that within the next three or four wo- weeks, he's going to reach the level of Moshe Feinstein, so they sound completely appropriate. A person came to me and he said, you know, he wants to take on something small. I said, well, how long have you been from? He said, what? It's almost, it's been a few months already. So I said, well, what is it you want to take on? He says, you know, the Shulchan Aruch speaks about the different intentions you should have when saying the name of Hashem. No, I think that's appropriate. <laughs> Why are you laughing, Rabbi? Rabbi, hello. I said, well, I just think it's a little bit too much. He said, but why is it too much? I mean, Hashem's name's not that long. He's having intentions. I said to him, I strongly feel that if you do that, you'll have to be taken to a mental asylum. He said, really? I said, sure. He said, I know you rabbis, you don't understand me. I'm going to try it. As all good Baal do when they think the rabbi is not firm enough for them. 
Yeah, that rabbi, he's no way free enough for me. He doesn't know who I am. <laughs> so, when he came back four days later with mental exhaustion on the verge of a breakdown, he said, I see what you meant. That's just one example. There are many, many examples. It's a very difficult thing. The Baal is put into a foreign world and he's entered into a race and not only doesn't he know where the finishing line is, he doesn't know how to measure the pace of his jog. For many about Shiva, where to the external observer, he's sprinting as fast as he can. In his own perception, he feels like he's jogging at the snail's pace. So in his mind, he can just keep on jogging like this forever. To the external observer, you can see that he's going to run out of energy very shortly. One of the most difficult things to grasp, and it's an objective problem, and I completely connect to it, is that when you're in the race of becoming from, it's very difficult to judge your pace, and it's hard to know how to time yourself correctly, because everything is new. So when you take upon yourself to say, Hello, Bocha. Hello, Rabbi. Um, Rabbi, I need to work on my davening. What's wrong with your davening, Bocha? Um, Last week, there were two Shemona Esrays when I spaced out for three seconds. Is that a problem? Rabbi, what are you talking about? It was three seconds, twice in one week. So, so again, to that Bocha's mind, he's being completely appropriate. Because he thinks to himself, you know, it says that you have to have Kavani and Tefillah, and he's maybe even heard, and this is, sometimes people don't realize the distraction of listening to all these um, rabbinical rhetoric. Where the rabbi stands up at the podium, he says, Do you know what it means? Davening! And everyone else in the audience is... People don't realize that the average from for birth schmooze is set on... It's set on, on a scale of 1 to 100. It's set on 2,000. And the average from for birth relates to it on 10. So once you have that... Once you have like that kind of... So what happens is so once, once, you know, once you know the game, once you know the game, it's perfectly appropriate. The problem is, so the young, bright-eyed, bushy-tailed Balchuva goes into the shear and like clutches onto the shtender, gyrates his knees in eager anticipation, looks up to the rabbi with veneration, drinking in his words thirstily, and he takes him at level 2000. Totally literally. So he says, what do you mean? Do you know, Rabbi Shmona Esrei? It's the highest thing in the world. Three seconds, twice in a week. And as a result, he doesn't understand that really he's sprinting when he thinks he's jogging. Therefore, a person has to develop what's called an inner dialogue. An inner dialogue involves the capacity to reconnect to the self that doesn't quite fit in in the base medrash. The self that still wears floral shorts. The self which is so comfortable in the tank top. The self that possessed biceps. <laughs> the self that used to have a six-pack, in both senses of the word. <laughs> and he has to say, okay, where am I? 
Where is my madrega? How can I locate myself in such a way that I can act in alignment with where I am? How can I gauge if I'm sprinting, walking, jogging? How do I know when my energy will run out? Because the truth is, sometimes a person does need a sprint to start off with, to get into the race. If a person doesn't go with the spurt of energy to begin with, he never manages to get into the race of Judaism because he's always standing on the sidelines saying, I'm too cautious to put my foot in this. I do not dispel the notion that there are times in a person's life when he needs a short sprint, but you need the cognizance of what speed you're traveling at. A few practical ways of dealing with that. First of all, you have to use one of the most healthy things for a Balchiva to do is to hang around with from from birth people. When you hang around from from birth people, initially a Balchiva cannot believe how irreligious they are. <laughs> it's just amazing. They just don't take anything seriously. They have no respect for benching. The way they kind of speak idle chat on Shabbos is absolutely soul-destroying. And <laughs> the way they kind of polish off a Shemone Esrei is just astonishing. And like the timing between, he's, he's perplexed by how they can say the words so fast and time it with a nonchalant shackle. And even when it gets into the world of Hasidus, they can do the nonchalant shackle, the super speed of Shemone Esrei, and the thumbs in the gartel. It's an astonishing combination of rare, rare co real coordination and uh, it, it combines all linguistic, motor coordination and spiritual skills in one. So you have to realize that you have to make an assumption that when you're in an environment where the people are normative from, there's an incredibly powerful lesson to be learned and at the same time it's extremely delicate. I remember when Many, many years ago, when I was in my fresh Balchiva days, and I still fondly remember my attempts at greatness, which happened over a period of, should I say, my many abortive attempts at greatness. I mean, during throughout my career as Balchiva, there were points in my time I was going to be the Chobetz Chaim. There was a three-month period where I was Reb Chaim Ozegorzinski. <laughs> I could write two chivas for him and answer questions verbally at the same time. Um, then I went through a Rebbe Israel Salanta stage. Eventually I thought I have to lower my expectations and to settle with the Rebbe Moshe Feinstein. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was still in my fresh Balchiva stage and I still had that glassy look in my eyes and one could almost hear the music play as I walked around. It was Shveki before he was born, and <laughs> uh, I, I, I moved from I moved from Orsamer to Lakewood East, which is which is the Israeli Israeli branch of Lakewood Yeshiva, and I went to meet the Rosh Yeshiva, and he obviously sensed that he has a freak. <laughs> <laughs> Probably didn't want to say it in such terms. Uh, he just he looked at me and he, he gave me one of the most phenomenally helpful pieces of advice that I've ever had. He obviously was trying to prepare me for a massive disillusionment that I was about to experience when I started to hang out with normal Fumfuwet Bochim. I was used to, you know, anyone that, if their entire conversation wasn't focused about strict Torah growth, so they were clearly boarding on Api courses. 
So he's like trying to like gently ease me into the idea of, of what um, the reality of the Torah world was, but he said it in such an accurate way. He said, you have to realize that um, being about Shiva is a matnas Eloikim. It's a gift from God. Remember that. So true. Being about Shiva is a gift from God. Matnas Eloikim. When you look at the people around you who are from from birth, be soivel, but don't be nimshach. Which means, look at them and don't become a zealot against them. In other words, be tolerant, but don't be pulled after the numbness that unfortunately attests that many FFBs have to deal with. Be soivel, but don't be nimshach. When a person enters into the FFB world, you get a tremendous sense of normality. <coughs> which is an incredibly balancing and stabilizing factor. At the same time, if it, you become too stabilized, you lose the gift of God, that Masnath Elohim of being a Balchuva, which you have to maintain. So the delicate balance is to be able to have a picture of all normality and a sense of gauging your Madrega and at the same time, not divesting yourself of the thirst for ultimate growth and transformation. And that's the hard thing. To go off on a limb and completely lose a sense of where you are and acting inappropriate to your level, that's easy. You just follow your from Yitzhahara and you'll be at the castle 4 o'clock in the morning davening tikkun chatzais on Shabbos. It's awesome. <laughs> um, on the other hand, so following, following your from desires is easy. You don't have to think. Whatever your from Yetzer suggests, you just go for it. If you want to learn all night, you learn all night. If you miss Jack the next morning, you're, ah, you don't think about that. If you want to decide to go on a tiny dibble for three days, if you want to... You can do whatever you like. It's easy. It comes and goes. But it's, it's self-destructive. On the other hand, if you want to become too staid, too passive, so then what happens is you just start to become uninspired and then you become completely habitual in your performance of mitzvahs and you two start the subtle shackle combined with hands in gaunt or provide with trying to make your lips move faster than they are. I would actually like to design an instrument which can ma measure lip speed and then we could like perhaps start a new Olympic sport of um, how many words you can produce within a minute and we could, like, we, could, we could start competitions from schools. We say, okay, Kufu test. Let's see how long it takes you. Look. And we have Yakko coming on the fourth and then coming. And look at that. 3,000 words per second. That's amazing. Shimka takes it. So that's problematic. To be able to find the balance between knowing your own internal drive and thirst and gift of having a connection to Torah and to the Creator that you appreciate the vitality of it and you appreciate the newness on the one hand on the other hand not taking that too far in order for this to occur a person needs as we said to use the from from birth world as a barometer of what's normality and what's not the second thing you need 
is you need to be able to run don't don't think that things are self-understood run things by a friend a ready someone that's been in the game a little bit longer than you to make sure if your decisions that you have made are tucker appropriate or inappropriate and thirdly start to get from trial and error a sense of how far you can push yourself and when pushing yourself backfires and when pushing yourself is productive and this is a nunakuda which is also relevant to the growth of the Baal Shuva it's called Koyach Hamarida the power of rebellion Rav Desta explains it to be a spring as we've said many times before that if you start to squash out yourself and you push and you push and you say I'll never I'll push and you push and I'll never and you push and you push and you push what you're really doing is you're pushing against the spring and when you think you've almost triumphed and you've squashed out any vestiges of um, any vestiges of opposition to your new from rule you suddenly realize that you actually hit the bottom of the spring and whoosh, the spring shoots back and completely lays it back on your back you have to realize that when you start to feel the internal pressure, internal pressure building up, you dive in along Shmon Esrei, and by the time you get to Sim Shalom, you start to feel a deep inner sense of resentment to the fact that you're davening and that you're in shul, then you put yourself too hard. Don't get upset with yourself. Deal with it. Make sure that when you dive in Shmon Esrei, you dive in way faster. Then you dive in way faster and you feel that there's no meaning for you. So you slow it down. Then you slow it down and you feel that there's a little bit of resentment. Then you speed it up. And eventually, through trial and error, you find your madrega. Number one, gauge what's appropriate by the people around you who are normal and from, from birth. When I say around you, I mean elsewhere. <laughs> when you consult, consult rebellion and friends, to things which may be dodgy. If you have any of the things that you want to do, you want to decide to start going to the mikvah, you want to start saying tikkun chatzos, you want to wear tefillin the whole day, you want to wear 16 pairs of tzitzis, these are things which should be discussed. You want to buy a yarmulke that covers your ears as well because it doubly protects you, covers your eyes and your ears. No problem of Shmir Sainayim, no problem of Losh Nora. It's a perfect yarmulke. The problem is everyone around you thinks you're a hangman. Now, <laughs> Um, gauging your asking when you think you're doing something and even sometimes when you don't think you're doing something it's always good to ask and developing a sense of your own inner value and your own inner level by trial and error you push yourself a little bit you say oh I push myself too hard you take a step back you push yourself further and this can work on a variety of levels it can work in the chesed you've got a roommate that you have a hard time getting along with so what you do is you try to say I'm not going to say anything to him I'm not going to mention a word every single time I walk into the room his clothes are strewn on my bed but I'm working myself I'm not going to say anything so you walk into the room and you think I hate him his clothes on my bed and then he comes and you go hi thank you Rico. hi you I hate him I hate him I hate him so that's not good it says loisis nois achicho bilvavecho don't hate your brother in your heart. You have to have open dialogue conversation. You can say, bro. If you're South African, if you're American, you can say, bro. Sorry, that was Australian. If you're Australian, you can say, Bruce. Um, <laughs> Bruce, yeah? What's this? Close my bed. You know, I want you to sleep. <laughs> Always. So. <laughs> 
You have to know what's, what you can and can't handle. It's not only between you and God, it's between you and man, it's between you and yourself. You have to get a sense of where you are. That's in relation to the general sugya. In relation to the Khurban Abayis, it's something that we have to think about. If we don't build up an understanding of what the Khurban Abayis is on a conceptual level which is relevant to us, so there's no point, we're not going to get anywhere by crying on Tisha We have to understand that the Khurban Abayis has got nothing to do with the structure which stood in the mountain, an odd 20 minute walk away. That's not the point. That's not the point. When Titus Arasha destroyed the base of Mikdash, the Gemara comments, Kimcha um, Tchina Tochant. You ground, you ground ground flour. Titus didn't do anything. Titus did the manifested a destruction which occurred long before then. The essential destruction of the base of Mikdash is the real Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Nefesh Chaim says, is the heart of a Jew. The real destruction is the destruction within. We have to gain a connection to what that means. If we feel built, why are we destroyed? What does that mean? If we don't do that, so then we'll just be paying lip service. And if we do it, paying lip service sincerely with no connection, we'll be destroying ourselves in the process. We have to develop a real connection. If we develop a real connection, which is not what we're going to do now, but it's something that we should seek to do within the next short amount of time, so then we can have a sincere relationship. And it could be that if we don't develop the connection, it is far more praiseworthy to sit on the floor and above because that's what our locker requires, and in the dimlet, and to feel nothing. And to feel nothing. And as everyone around you bursts into heart-wrenching tears, if you feel the temptation to cry, resist it. Why lie to yourself? Resist it. And that sounds so bad and it feels so fried, that's healthy. That means you're being emistic. That means you have a potential to develop a connection in the future. As opposed to spending the next three years pretending to cry and teach above, so that the five years following, you won't even come to shore because you're so burnt out from it. Pacing, knowing, understanding, developing a relationship in a real way. You cannot fake it. You can fake it for one year, for two years, for three years, for four years, for a decade, for two decades. And there's an expiry date. And when the expiry date runs out, it just disappears without even leaving an impression. You have to be cautious and careful in your avoider. So the Mechaber says, Roi l'chol yirei shomayim. If you're Yushomayim, you should be mates of a doigal chorban beis If you're not, you should strive to be a Yerushomayim. But know when you're not.